conscious and heroic interference. You are receiving this broadcast as a dream. We are transmitting from year 1999. You are receiving this broadcast in order to alter the events you are seeing. Our technology has now developed a transmitter strong enough to reach your conscious state of awareness. But this is not a dream. You are seeing what is actually occurring. They whoa, had... whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> an evil squirrel. Yes, they had an evil squirrel. Radio Draw. It is Halloween ish. I am Josh Hadley, and you're listening to Radio Drome. We have Mr. Halloween himself, Peter Gajic. Although, what is Halloween in Canada? Since you guys have weird Thanksgiving, what is Halloween in Canada? Halloween is the exact same. It's on the exact same day. Weirdo Canadians. I and, know. I know. And we have fellow American Cecil Trachtenberg. Yes. Halloween. Now, this is not going to be a normal Halloween show, where in the past we've looked at Halloween franchises or horror movies or stuff. Horror movies will be coming up, but we're going to look at movies and or scenes that scared us. But before that, you guys need to relieve some stress so you're not scared. You go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. We're pretty much horror movie veterans. We all grew up on horror movies, and I've always hated this term. Outsiders always go, oh, it's Halloween, let's throw on some scary movies, and they throw on a Friday the 13th movie. And again, I like the Friday the 13th movies, but they're not scary movies. I hate the fact that horror movies are always categorized as scary movies when they aren't. What would be a movie or a scene that scared you? And by scared, it can be just simply creeped you the hell out. It doesn't have to be a jump scare or something like that, but something where it you were just creeped the hell out. Since I'm going to talk about uh, some other stuff later, but I think I will go into a thing that a lot of people, like, it's not from a horror movie, but it always terrified me. It doesn't scare me now, but I saw it when I was little. I seriously was just uh, terrified by it. The scene in Superman 3 when Vera gets <laughs> taken over by the machine and turns into a cyborg terrified me. In that PG movie? In that PG... Hey, there's some scary PG movie stuff out there. I'm not saying but there's not, did... but you don't think of Superman as a scary franchise. No. No! Well, that's the thing. It's not, like, there... And it's not me, like, because I went... I'm like, am I the only person... And I looked up, and there are all kinds of people that are like, no, that scene terrified me. Because, like, she, she gets pulled into the machine, and all this stuff gets strapped on her, and she gets injected with, like, metal, and then all of a sudden her eye opens up, and it's just silver, and she comes out, and she's shooting lightning bolts, and it's just 
Oh my, it, it terrified me. So, uh, so yeah, that, that is a scene in a not scary movie that, uh, is, is somewhat comical now. The eye thing I think is still done well and is still creepy, but, uh, that, uh, that scared the hell out of me. And, uh, it, uh, it's just such an odd, like, I, I don't know if they really intended for it to be as scary as it was, but, I'm sure uh, they but did. it was. Yeah, I'm it, sure at it, the time they wanted it to be like effective and and creepy. I mean, you want your kind of villainous characters to be imposing and kind of be scary on screen, especially since mostly kids were going to be watching that. So I think it was to a degree. But it was like so like Superman 3 was so like comical. You had Richard yeah. Fire and it was funny and uh and they had like the video game, you know, he's fighting Superman and <laughs> and then like that happens and it's like, "Uh uh wait a minute." Like I didn't know this was going to happen. So yeah. So that's something, uh, that, that always creeped me out, out to, that not within a horror movie. I have plenty of, you know, in horror examples, but I figured I would start off with that one. Uh, there's other stuff I want to talk about, but I think I'll go with the insect politics scene from David Cronenberg's Fly. This is a scene that since I first saw it when I was seven years old, freaked the hell out of me, but that entire movie did at that time. But this is a scene that still creeps me out and, I think I know why. It's it's because he's he's almost reached his sort of final form. Uh, Gina Davis's character comes uh, back to Seth Brundle's apartment, and it's all ransacked. It's all gone to shit. It's all shadowy and, and dark. And you just kind of see him from a distance, standing in the in the doorway of the bathroom, and he's he's telling her all this uh, creepy, cryptic shit about uh, how insects don't have politics, how they're brutal, how you know if she doesn't leave, he's gonna hurt her. And just the way the scene is filmed, how, how you don't really see him too much, but you can see the, the silhouette of, of what he's becoming and just the overall vibe of that scene gave me freaking nightmares when I was a kid. And still, when I, when I watched the film, just overall really unnerving, uh, that whole movie as a whole, but that scene in particular, the insect politics scene always freaked me out for some reason. I'm going to go along, along with Cecil here and pick a non-horror movie. The 1984 HBO Canadian film Countdown to Looking Glass. It's a fake newscast all about building up to World War III with Russia at the time over the Strait of Hormuz, which is the small strait you have to get to to get to the Middle East to get all of the oil. There's this exchange of atomic weapons in the last five minutes that is so creepy, all done as a live broadcast with the sky red. And maybe you had to grow up in the 80s when Cold War was very much a real thing. I don't know if modern audiences would find the last five minutes creepy, but I just watched it again last night for this show. And still, that last five minutes, the hairs on my arms started standing up. It is so creepy, but maybe you'd have to have lived through the Cold War. I'm not sure. What would be a non-jump scare horror movie that freaked you out? We'll get to jump scares later, because jump scares can be done effectively, but just an atmosphere or something that's non-jump scary. Blair Witch Project is all atmosphere, which is why uh, a lot of people, especially audiences now, are like, it's not scary. Nothing happens. What do you mean nothing happens? Like, it's, it's, ter- like, it starts off, like, pretty light, lighthearted, but once they get lost in the woods and things get worse and worse and worse, it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's unsettling. All the, like, noises in the woods and all the stuff that you don't see. Like, I am very much for showing you something when it's necessary, but, uh, like, if, if somebody, you know, gets, uh, if, if there's a, um, 
a slasher movie and somebody gets, you know, a hit with a machete and like they don't show it or there's no blood or something. That's that's different. But I'm talking about if you're in an atmospheric movie like this where uh you're not seeing the monster, then that is so much better because a lot of times when you do see the monster, like in Blair Witch 2016, what was that last? Yeah, that was last year, right? Yeah. It's then, so forgettable. Who cares? It's so, yeah, <laughs> that's, I couldn't even remember if I saw it, which year I saw it, you know, and, but that was the thing, but people were like, oh, we need to see the witch. We need to, see, and then you see the witch and it's like, who cares? It's laughable with the big long arms. Well, I laughed now, in the theater. Yeah, I was, uh, and then they, a lot of people are recant, you know, the director came out and said, no, that wasn't really the witch. Really? Then you went, you went through that whole explanation earlier. It also looks talk. a lot like the McFarlane toy of the witch. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but no, that's not really the witch. Stop, you know, stop lying. Which that so, was um, kind of cool back when it came out, the hypothetical action figure, but that, that didn't need to become anything. Yeah, that didn't, it didn't need to be. So, uh, with the Blair Witch Project, that had, uh, no jump scares. Uh, it was all atmosphere. It was all like sound design and just, uh, un, you know, like just this unforgiving feeling in, in the film. It just, uh, it, it just leading up to this ending that just was so like, what the f- so that that movie uh just always made me uncomfortable and uh again where you have did I've done numerous videos on the Blair Witch project over the years and uh, people who it's never scary and I'm like Dude, I was there. There were people terrified in the theater. There were people that like couldn't get out of their seats. They were like people were freaked out. And and like I just this this new wave of it, like it was never scary. Yes, it was. And it still <laughs> is scary. I got to go with John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. What this part? Is... That whole damn movie. The whole movie. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm picking it. The entire film. As soon as it starts uh, starts get going and uh, you, you're at the church with all the characters, there's just this sense of dread throughout the entire film. I think uh, I'm going to steal something Cecil said um, when we were talking over, over Facebook, but it's a perfect analogy for the film. It's like when you're a kid and there's a spider in the room or something like that, you don't know where it is. So you're just kind of sinking into your seat and you know something's going to creep up on you. At any second. That's what Prince of Darkness feels like to me. The whole movie is just, it's mood, unrelenting mood. And when things do happen that are actually meant to be scary, it's even scarier. And, and the, the payoff at the end is brilliant with this thing trying to make its way into our world. And you're really rooting for the characters to, to, to keep it in there because you know how cataclysmic it's going to be, especially those, those weird nightmare scenes with the, um, the VHS footage of like the, this is, is not a dream. This is the that future. Dream is so creepy. That's freaking horrifying. And especially because I've had dreams like that. I've had dreams really similar where I'm in like, um, from the year 1999 and it stops and it's like, what, what year was that? And it's like, I've had similar dreams where I'm in a very familiar location that I can't quite comprehend. Like I know I've been here but I don't recognize it. And there's, there's some sort of shadowy figure and some, some voice trying to tell you something. I, I've had dreams similar to that. So when I saw Prince of Darkness, that really freaked me out. Like I wasn't able to sleep the night after that. I think just that whole film is a brilliant testament, not only to John Carpenter as a filmmaker, uh, a testament to how little you actually need jump scares and how important mood is for, for a horror film. You need it to be 
is scary not just because something jumps out and yells boo. You can do that with just about anything, but you need you need atmosphere, you need the right music, you need the right sounds, you need the right mood and the right actors and direction to make it all work. And I think Prince of Darkness is just a, a perfect example of a pure 100% horror film. It is a horror film in in every example I think you can make of what makes a horror film work. I also think one of the reasons that that ending works so well, the, the, the dream transmission, in 1987, that sort of handheld VHS look was almost exclusively used by the news, contrasted with the 35mm slick, very cinematographer look of the rest of the movie, it gave an almost realism. Maybe you didn't notice it, but your subconscious sure as hell did. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point of why that works. It, it just, it's so abrupt and it feels very, very real. Like you're watching a, a real news, newscast on TV or something. It, it's a really perfect use of, of that kind of footage and it works so well in the context of the film. And it really is one of, if not maybe the most chilling part of the film and, and the entirety of the film itself is incredibly chilling. I'm going to go with one. It's technically a jump scare, but not really. And that would be the entire George Miller segment of Twilight Zone, the movie. That goblin on the wing, that whatever that is on the wing, is so creepy. And the way it moves, because they shot it at a slower frame rate than everything else. So those shots outside, it moves so unnaturally. After John Lithgow's head is out the window and it touches his face and then gives him the, the waggly finger, the way mm. it just sort of, it doesn't even fly off, it just sort of floats away. It's just so fucking creepy! Yes. Oh, I'm surprised I didn't, uh, I didn't add that to my list, because that's a movie, not the whole movie, but just that segment always really freaked me out as a kid. That was a brilliant one. And yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, about how it's moving very, very inhumanly, but it, it doesn't look like a cheap stop, uh, stop frame animation or anything. It actually looks really organic and like something otherworldly that you, that you might see the way something that's very inhuman and, and monstrous would move. Like, I think that was a really, really brilliant and really, really terrifying. There, and there's one moment in there. This is where I'm saying it's kind of a jump scare. Okay, you have the one where he opens the shade and the, and the creature's face is right there. When when it's it's pulling pieces of the engine off and it's kind of giving this sly little smile and it seems John Lithgow look at him and then it just pulls off a couple more and smiles and then I, I, I hesitate to call it a jump cut, but it almost jump cuts like it teleports from the wing to the window in such a fast, Jesus Christ, what the f*** just happened kind yeah. of way. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that creeped me out. The bunny mutant thing Looney coming Tunes out of the Looney Tunes on acid. The Looney Tunes on acid, I guess, oh, whatever. Oh god, yeah. That really that did get me cuz it's so like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the there's something on the wing of the plane. I know it wasn't it was Shatner in the in the show and then it was uh Lithgow in the movie. But uh yeah, that um that that whole movie is uh, is very very entertaining and yeah that was uh, it's filled with weird little segments i don't know um got me quite as much as it got you but i think it might have been more cuz i saw it you know uh when i was a little bit older so um it didn't maybe get me quite as much but uh, i still think it's very good it is genuinely creepy and and sometimes when you see something and even the environment that you're in at the time can affect you for instance poltergeist 
has a couple of very creepy moments in it. But the one that got me didn't get a lot of other people. Because I didn't see Poltergeist in the theater. I saw it when it came to HBO. Now, this is maybe 1984, so I'm maybe nine years old. I, you guys know exactly what scene I'm about to describe. The night it aired on HBO, there was a thunderstorm. And I have mm -hmm. a giant tree outside my bedroom window. Do you know why that scene creeped me the hell out so much? <laughs> so m maybe that scene's not creepy today, but I still say that huge long-legged white ethereal thing that confronts Joe Beth Williams in the hallway is still terrifying. Oh god, yeah, that 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 giant ghost camel, whatever the hell it is, just brrr, and the mouth opens. Yeah, that thing. What what got me though was um when people talk about poltergeist, they're like, oh, the clown, and I'm like, eh. the the clown is like, I I yes, the clown works. The clown, it's such a like token scary thing to me. It's like no, like like. Like you said, the, that big ethereal whatever it was monster in the doorway is terrifying because it's so just looks wrong. Or even when the one the, when the white guy from the parapsychologist goes up the steps and we don't see what happens, but he comes down and has these giant teeth marks in his chest and he's like, something took a bite out of me. It's mm -hmm. just so creepy. Kind of a jump scare. It's more of a like reveal when she's in the kitchen. And she moves the chair, and she turns away, and she comes back, and the chairs are all up on the table. And there's no cuts. And there's no cut. It's just a it's camera just... pan. That's what, you know what, if it had been a cut, it wouldn't have worked. No, it, would have, it wouldn't work, but that's what I'm saying. It was a reveal, but it wasn't a jump scare. It was just a, whoa! Like, like, cause, you know, you like her, you're not expecting it. And, uh, and it was done so fast. Perfect. And that's like, that really sets you on edge early. I mean, hell, that whole movie's creepy. Even the beginning, when, when the, the first they're here and that, that like hand is coming out of the, out of the TV and zaps into the wall above mom and dad. I don't know why that whole movie just is creepy, man. And Did it's a ever... PG movie. It's a PG movie. Did you ever see the remake? God, no. I didn't. The re no, I ignored the, it, that. The re you're good. You were right to. I saw it uh, just out of morbid curiosity. Everything that you think it is, it's oh, like no. they did more. They did more with everything that they thought they could make scary. Uh, so, they so had... it has an Incredible Hulk riding a horse. No. <laughs> well, the original did. So there's that. It did, yeah. Alright, it had more with the clown, which was now, like, they had the clown, but they made it intentionally look like too, like, uh, like, when you have just a regular clown, it's scary. When you try to make a clown look scary, it's not scary. They had, they had the, the, the overly done clown. They had an evil squirrel. They whoa, had- Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> an evil squirrel. Yes, they had an evil squirrel. There was a, there was a long series of jump scares where, uh, uh, they were being attacked by a squirrel. They went, oh, they showed the entire segment of them going into the ghost realm to rescue the kid. And it was, it was just so overdone and, and lit like, like with, with all kinds, like it was bright light everywhere and bodies and things grabbing and it's just, it was too much. Uh, whereas the movie, it was just, it was light. They went in, they came out, they were all slimy. Uh, in this, it was like they went in and it was all kinds of weird noise and their video. They're like, look at what's happening. And I'm like, oh God, we don't need to see this. You're yeah. showing it and you're not making it scary. You're making it less scary. I think Poltergeist is a great film. It never really scared me 
too much. There, I, I see it as more of a film that has creepy segments in it. Like, yeah, the chair that Cecil was talking about, big weird camel ghost thing at the end. The clown was pretty spooky. Overall, I, I thought the, the creepiest scene was, um, when all those weird skeletons are, are coming out of the, the water and stuff because they, they looked like real corpses. And I think they were. Because they were. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, what does this <laughs> say about the value of human life? It was cheaper <laughs> to import real dead bodies from India than it was to get fake skeletons made. What yeah. does that say about the value of human life, huh? That human life don't mean shit. Use it. <laughs> I think they got a skeleton farm over in India. How many oh, people man. you know how die with a perfect set of chompers in their head, huh? It's not one of those movies, like, cause I saw it when I was, uh, when I was a kid. I, I'd caught it on like UPN late at night sort of thing, watched it on VHS with my parents, that sort of stuff. It never really freaked me out all that much. Um, I did find it spooky. I found certain scenes kind of creepy, as I said, but overall, I just, I find that one to be more of just a really solid, like supernatural movie. I don't know if I would call it a, I mean, Technically, yeah, it's a horror movie, but I consider it more of like a supernatural ghost movie that's just really solid, great acting, looks really, really good. Just overall a, a great movie to put on and watch with some some good good creepy moments that definitely still uh still hold up. They just they they don't like scare the shit out of me though. What about real world horrors? And I'm not talking like a slasher movie, because I'm gonna bring up there's one scene in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Son of a bitch, I was going to bring that one up. (laughs) That is the most disturbing thing I might have ever seen in a movie. And it's the videotape murder rapes. Especially because McNaughton films it where you don't realize you're watching them, Henry and Otis, watching their own VHS version of it. And Mm -hmm. then the scene's horrifying enough on its own, just with how graphic it is. And I don't mean graphic in a bloody way. I mean graphic in a, I think that's how a real murder rape ends up looking. Yeah. But then Otis says, I want to watch it again. And he goes and rewinds Uh... and just like, oh my God, this is, that's how you do horror in a non-supernatural way. That's like a real life way. Yeah. Pretty much going to say the the, uh, exact same thing. I saw it. When when did I see Henry Portrait of the Killer for the first time? I think I was maybe 14. And I wasn't, it was 14 or 15, and I wasn't expecting it to scare me that much. I mean, I had already seen a lot of horror movies by that time. I'd already seen, like, uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and all the Halloweens, all the Friday the 13ths, all the other shit, a bunch of the Fulci stuff, the Argento stuff, you know, Cronenberg's Fly, like, all this, all this really messed up shit. So I was like, I'm bulletproof at this point. Nothing can faze me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good going into this. It's just going to be another hack and slash movie. And boy, was I wrong that movie left such a, a mark on me that it's it's a movie that i consider to be brilliant but i i can only watch it once like every couple of years because every time i'm finished watching it the overall feeling i get is just is dirty i feel like i have to take a shower because i feel like I, I might have watched an actual snuff film especially that scene because as josh pointed out it looks like what a real murder rape might look like it really leaves you feeling slimy it leaves you leaves you feeling angered toward the killers leaves you feeling just overall disgusted and i think that's exactly what a movie like henry or just any sort of uh true crime thriller serial killer kind of movie should do it should make you feel really really dirty that's the effect it should be going for and the effect that it should achieve love the movie for that and i both hate the movie for that because i i really enjoy all the performances in it and i think it's it's a really great film because of how it makes me feel at the end of the movie it doesn't have the rewatch value that i want it to have one of those horror movies where it would be hindered 
by a larger budget. Uh, I'm sure somewhere someone is trying to figure out how to remake it, and they would do it, like, too slick. And with this, the, the like, lower quality of it, I guess you could say, like, and I don't mean quality in terms of value. I mean quality in terms of it just kind of looks dingy and it looks like a pseudo documentary uh, without being like the it it looks like because it was shot on the same kind of material that 60 minutes segments were shot on. yeah it was it right and just the overall feel of it i think it it feels like walking through a a low-income neighborhood in like the middle of the day you just get this this feeling of it it just feels sad like yeah it's kind of yeah that's the vibe yeah, and it all, it all just works so well because of the fact that, like, it's, it's all, uh, you, you know, Dreary. nothing, nothing is clean. Everything is just dingy and dirty and, and they're, they're just scummy and it, it, all the stuff that's happening just, it makes you feel bad. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a movie that, uh, is terrific. That's, there, there are certain films like that where they are great movies, but you can watch it maybe once every couple of years, if that. Cause, and there is an emotional investment in that because it's like, I'm going to sit down and watch this and it's probably going to ruin my evening. Like, I'm not going to want to do it. Like, like you're not going to watch that and then go like, like if you're going to include that in your horror movie marathons, you're going to sit down and watch that. And then you're going to want to like, just, you know, go outside and like hug a kitten or something. Just like, <laughs> after, watching, I need to... after watching Henry, a friend of the 13th movie just doesn't have any power anymore, does it? No, it no, really doesn't. no. It's like, oh, wow. I feel this is so like, it's like, it's, it's like, like a nice sunny day yeah. you know it's, it's like oh i get to see you know this guy in a hockey mask go around and, and kill people oh that's quaint <laughs> nowhere cecil falls on this next one i'm not sure about peter what about sci-fi horror not in like an alien sort of way but an alien sort of way like fire in the sky oh i hate you you're stealing all of mine i'm sorry <laughs> for the audience we didn't compare lists before the show fire in the sky I've always had problems with alien abduction stuff. I've always found them to be so creepy. Like, even the movie from 2015 with Michael Ironside, Extraterrestrial, there's a shot. It's it's thundering and lightninging out, and they know the alien is about, and there's a shot where it lightnings, and then there's nothing at the door, which is, you know, a clear glass door, yeah. and then there's a lightning crack and just the shape. Oh my god, did I jump. I was watching that with my girlfriend, and she called me a pussy. And I'm like, no, that was fucking scary. It was perfect. But but, but fire in the sky, that's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen other than, Cecil, that one unsolved mysteries with the alien looking in the kitchen window. Oh my god. And, and that, and, oh, and, um, in search of. In Search Of had a great one where they did that too, where, uh, this woman was in the kitchen. She saw like this, this, uh, you know, glowing Something triangle the in window, the sky. Yeah. And then the alien looked in the, in the door or the alien looked in the window. And yeah, same thing. They, you know, oh my God, just, just, just sends chills up your spine. So creepy. I, I don't know what, like alien stuff has always fascinated me and terrified me. That, that whole last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of fire in the sky, it was amazing. It, uh, cause it's, it's sci-fi movie, it's mystery, and then it's straight up horror. It's, it's horror for the, for the end. And, uh, uh and then, um, communion with Christopher Walken, while we talked not, about that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite the same, but there are some scenes like uh, the, you know, there's the alien kind of peering in the door and, uh, and, and Christopher Walken is like frozen in fear. And it's one of those like, all right, if Christopher Walken's scared, I'm scared. 
Well, but you you also have to have to look at these in sort of the way of I made this mistake. Like I just said, I, I watched Extraterrestrial with my girlfriend. After that, we watched Fire in the Sky. Then we went to bed. Never <laughs> watch an alien abduction movie or an, or an alien abduction themed X Files episode before bed. It will show up in your subconscious, and you will not sleep right. Fire in the Sky is another one of those movies that I saw way, way, way too early in life. I think I was maybe seven, seven or eight years old, and I was watching it with uh, my parents. Still to this day, everything that worked about it then still works now. Just as Cecil said, the last like 15, 20 minutes turned into a straight up horror film. The, 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 all the alien abduction stuff and when they're like probing him and all this, I guess not really probing, but I mean, when he's in that weird, like mucusy shell thing and, and just all these memories I have of seeing it as a kid and the sleepless nights I had having nightmares or just times I would be, you know, walking down the street at, at nights, uh, with my parents going down to the corner store or, or just wherever and just, just being paranoid to look up at the, at the sky and, uh, seeing something that wasn't right. And still to this day, I get that kind of creepy sense uh anytime i think about the movie or anytime i after i watch it it's an incredibly effective film that i feel like was probably not even meant to be a horror film but i consider it to be one of the best horror films ever made what about movies that uh, yes they might have some scary scenes in them but actually affect the way you and the public go about your life after that such as jaws Jaws, people literally, I don't know if, if anyone who didn't live through the seventies and early eighties, you people don't understand. People literally would not go into the ocean after seeing Jaws. That to me is a fairly effective horror movie, even if Jaws isn't traditionally a horror film. I mean, I saw Jaws, uh, much, much later. Later in life, I think I was uh, maybe 17 or 18 when I had first seen it. Loved it. Does kind of give you that sense of dread going into the ocean. I mean, not not so much for me. I mean, I wasn't too young when I saw it, but I could see the effect that it made on younger generations. Now, for me, the movie that sort of had that effect on me in terms of everyday life, like getting into the water, For in my case, it was The Pool. And that was from a little show that I think more... Canadian audiences of the show might recognize, which is Are You Afraid of the Dark? And this was, uh, season... That was pretty big over here, though, too. Yeah, you had it over there, too. Yeah. And it was, um, season five, episode one, Tale of the Dead Man's Float. Now, one thing I remember about this episode, I didn't go back and rewatch it or anything, but I still have memories of it in my head and I, and I Google image like the episode to see if it was still as creepy as I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's basically the basic premise of it is there's this indoor swimming pool. And there are people who go in and swim at night and there's this weird creature that's, that's pulling everybody down. It's invisible. You can't, you can't see it. The whole episode plays on that fear of the unknown and you figure watching, you know, this is a cheap show. By the end of it, you know, it's going to be some hokey, hokey bullshit. You know, it's not going to be scary. And then the monster is actually revealed. And I still remember what it looks like. It's this weird, in the process of melting looking thing with like a skull and it's all meaty and fleshy and it's just rising out of the pool. This freaked the f out of me as a kid now. And we had an indoor pool in the building I was living in. It was kind of a, it was an older building and it had a pool kind of in the basement and it looked a lot like the one in the episode too. I never went down there again in the course of the entire time. <laughs> that I lived in that building with my family, six, seven, eight years old, something like that, young enough to really be affected by it and to not want to go swimming. I didn't want to go to pools for the next, like, 
half a year or something, I refused to get in a f***ing swimming pool because of how terrifying that episode was, at least the very end of it. Now, anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, search it up. Search up uh, even just, are you afraid of the dark pool monster? And you'll find it. It's, to me at least, seeing that at that young of an age and even looking at it now, freaky shit for what was intended more to be like a kids slash young adult kind of thing. Like it, it, it looks straight out of more of a, like a genuine horror movie and not something that was made for, you know, you know kids to watch on, on freaking YTV. That one really affected me in the same way that I think it affected audiences in the seventies with, with Jaws, where they were terrified to go to the beach. I was terrified to go to the pool because I thought some freaking invisible, slimy, melting skull monster thing was going to drag me in and and kill me. Um, so I thought that was going to happen for a while when I was a kid. And that, that really messed with me because, because I liked going to pools. Pools were fun. That show made them not so fun anymore. Not just Jaws. What about like arachnophobia? Ah. Oh my <laughs> I God. Figured you, I, I know how you feel about bugs. Same as I do. I'm scared of spiders. If you saw that movie in the theater, you felt something on your leg by your ankles when you saw arachnophobia in the theater. Oh. Yeah, when I see a movie like Arachnophobia or The Nest or something that uses real bugs, I get itchy. I get itchy. I'm just like, ah, ah there's shit on me. Get it? You know, like, it's just like, and you, you, you just, you, the whole time you feel like a little, like something on your neck or something on your mm-hmm. arm or, and just, it, it's unplanned. You go and you're like, ah, and there's nothing there. It kind of feeds into a little bit of my, I just don't like bugs in general. Uh, I, I'm sure it probably hits me a little bit harder than, than most people. Cause well, you know, when I say, oh, this, you know, movie with bugs freaked me out and they're, oh, it scares you. And I'm like, well, it's not not really so much scares it's just it's unpleasant i don't like it you know i don't yeah i don't you know uh but yeah arachnophobia but on top of that i mean arachnophobia is a really good movie too which also helps it's not just mm. dumb movie with bugs in it it's actually a clever fun movie it's, it's really graphic as hell for a pg-13 <laughs> Oh, big time. Yeah. It's a, it's a freaky ass movie. And, uh, John Goodman is just terrific as always. Yeah. Uh, Julian Sands is the creepy arachneologist. Arachne, yeah. <laughs> and you think he's going to be the hero and nope. Nope. He gets picked <laughs> off pretty damn quick. Yeah. So yeah, arachnophobia and that like, oh, just uh, unpleasant. Uh, when, when they find the body of the coroner and the spider crawls out of his nose. Oh. oh. Yeah, I figured that'd get you guys. Now see, that's the thing. That's an effective use of your property. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're using spiders to your maximum potential. Mm -hmm. You know, they had, they had people stuck in webs. They had animals stuck in webs. They had spiders. Uh, the girl taking a shower and she's unaware of the fact that there's a spider coming down in between her tits. And they're real spiders. Real spiders. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, there were, you know, there were fake ones throughout, but like for, for the like the bulk pe- of them were real. The, the bulk of them were, were real, you know, and, uh, and to that degree, I believe it was 1977 was the William Shatner kingdom of the spiders, mm. where it was the town overrun by tarantulas and real uh, tarantulas, real yes. tarantulas. Yeah, back before, uh, I think PETA really, really got involved with, uh, that kind of stuff or the, uh, you know, where, uh, they're, they're at the end of the, the movie, they're spiders running across the road and getting run over by cars and, you know, poor, poor Shatner getting spiders dumped on him and it's so creepy and unpleasant. 
And just a terrific ending, too. Just, uh, you know, like, spoiler alert, everybody dies horror, and, and like, spiders just cocoon everyone. <laughs> spiders take over the town and spiders possibly more. Town. Yeah, it's terrifying. Bug movies. Like, I... Spiders don't... Spiders in movies bother me, I think. The bigger they are, the more unpleasant they are. So, like, uh, for example, if I'm here in my office and there's a spider in the room, I will trap it and throw it outside. Because I'm kind of, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, you yeah. you go kill bugs outside, but, you know, don't don't hang out in here. If if there's, you know, if it's if it's of a certain size, then, then I'm sorry, I, I need to, you need to die. What about TV stuff? 1990, a 1991 Fox TV movie, The Haunted. There are scenes in that movie that shouldn't be creepy. If I just described them to you, like the little black uh, wobbly orb floating over the picnic table. Why yeah, and, is that so fucking creepy? And I think it's the noise. It's like, it's just so weird. It's the, the, the orb, it's a combination of things as to why it's so creepy. Because right before that, I think is the most terrifying scene in the, the scene, entire film. The scene film. where the neighbors are looking into the house. The scene where the neighbors are looking into the house and it's screaming and lights and you see like shadows moving the and they're like, they're like, what's going on? Cause they went camping and just, they're like, what is going on at the house? Terrified me. Like I, bugs and ghosts. I don't or, like. Or, or they even, are my two things. <laughs> or even in that movie, there's a there's what arguably a jump scare after they've exercised the house and and it's been smelling like flowers for a few weeks, and she's walking up the steps with the laundry, mm-hmm. and just that invisible force picks her up by her stomach and whips her down the steps. That is a genuine jump scare. Yeah, yeah, that uh is it was it um no not Clifty Young. Jeff DeMunn gets raped by a yeah, female Jeffrey, ghost. That's a Jeffrey DeMunn, in a TV movie, Cecil. Jeffrey DeMunn gets raped by a, a ghost taking the did, didn't it it took the image of his daughter and, and and like you know she's straddling him and she's reaching down and unzipping his pants and I'm like this is a TV movie this is a in TV 1991. Movie. And that was on in prime time. It was on at 8 o'clock. <laughs> I watched it in 91, and I was freaked out, man. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. It's actually uh, a legitimately scary ghost movie. And it cracks me up because you get people that'll talk about, like, you know, scary ghost movie, and they'll reference the 1999 Haunting. And I like the production value in that. I think it was neat looking. It's not a good movie, though. It was not scary at all, and it was not a... It was a okay movie. I like it more for the, 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 the mansion, the look of it, the, the designs of the ghosts and things. But Owen it's Wilson not getting a, his head knocked off. Owen Wilson getting his head caved in. And just Well, then let, let's move on to jump scares for a little bit. Now, we all, Peter in your videos, Cecil in your videos, uh, how many times on this show with me, we talk about, oh, go, oh, the cat jumped out, oh, jump scares, oh, fake jump scares, look at all the jump scares. When you're unoriginal, you go to jump scares. What about when a jump scare is done properly? There are two I have on my list. One would be Exorcist 3, which is arguably the most effective jump scare in movie history, because William Peter Blatty plays you plays against what you expect to happen, and the shot goes on so long, by the time he springs on you, you're not expecting it. And then the other would be the blood test scene in John Carpenter's The Thing. When McCready puts that hot wire into Palmer's blood, and that jump, 
There's no music. There's no music sting. There's no music building up to it. It's a nice low camera angle, which you don't even notice at the time. We were goddamn sure Palmer was not infected. When that thing jumps, so does the audience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree with uh, with both of those. Those are really good examples of a of a jump scare actually working and its in its advantage. Because and those are movies that don't utilize a lot of jump scares to begin with. So when they do happen, it's actually really effective. Yeah, the Exorcist one is perfect, and and the thing is is also perfect. They just they're done so well because the Exorcist you don't know what to expect. You you think something's gonna happen, and then you're like, oh, you know, and it just yeah, it's so well done. And then the thing. The timing on it is what works because it's just it's leading up and you're like, all right, one of these guys is going to be infected. You know, something is going to happen. You're not sure what's going to happen when the hot, you know, uh, wire goes into the blood. And then it just spur and it just completely just off guard. It's it's a it's, great effect, too. Like the way the blood jumps up, like I I still don't really know how they did that, but it looks great. Uh, it was a fake arm. Yeah, it's a fake arm. That's not Kurt Russell's arm home holding it. It's a prosthetic arm that, that they're using to push the blood up through an air bladder. Mm, it's yeah. really well done. Like, you can't, uh, I honestly can't tell that it's like yeah, a it's fake seamless. arm or anything. Um, I, Practicals. I would... Imagine that. Practicals. I know. <laughs> Crazy, right? They still look great. But, you know, no, we need more CG. Yeah. For a fantastic jump scare of my own, there is uh, the movie Sinister, where... Ethan Hawke is watching these videos of these children that have been murdering their parents. And there's one scene in particular where it starts off and it always starts off fairly innocuous. It's just very like, you know, normal. And this just starts off. It's at night and it just shows somebody going and starting a lawnmower and the lawnmower is going along and it's mowing the grass and it's like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden what comes into frame? People tied up and a lawnmower runs right into them. It's amazing. The the director was talking about it and he spent so much time working on the timing of it. He's mm-hmm. like it he says he he purposely made it go on for too long so that Carnet you kinda are like, Alright, something's gonna happen, alright, something's gonna happen. All right, I guess nothing's gonna happen. Oh my God, something's happening. You know, <laughs> that's what Blatty. That's what Blatty did with Exorcist Three. That's almost a three and a half minute relative. I think there's two cuts in it. It's a relatively uncut shot, and that's that long distance shot, and you just keep expecting that. Oh, okay, is it? Oh, okay, and then when you're not expecting it, boom. Yeah, you got to really work on the timing of those scenes to get yeah. them right. And but if you nail it, you nail it. And they nailed it with Sinister because everybody for the first time watching, even you know seeing it again, like if you don't see it for a while, you know it's coming, and then you're like, ah, uh, uh, and you still jump. I mean, that is a perfect example of an effective jump scare. The movie is not loaded with them. The movie, which ironic because I've I've kind of goofed on the the ghoul thing, which was uh, a studio insert that uh, they it wasn't supposed to be what the end was and it really does detract because the the movie the whole movie is all effect uh there's there's two jumps in the well no i'm sorry three intentional jumps in the film but all three of them are done effectively and then the last one is like such a cop-out jump scare but it was what the you know the studio was like no we can't can't do this we have to end on a jump so that it, it breaks the tension and i'm like uh. no why like like it's <laughs> you want to leave with the tension the whole movie was about children being uh being overtaken by this this demon who is making them kill their parents like why do you want to have people leaving the theater laughing i'm gonna go with one that i consider to be both uh an underrated scene and an underrated entry in a rather popular series and this 
is going to be from Friday the 13th Part 2, which just earlier we were kind of talking about how these aren't really scary movies. But I've always found the second one to be kind of underrated in terms of a creepy factor. And there's one scene in particular I always remember, and it's where the uh, there's like a town sheriff or cop or whatever that's uh, on his way back to the station. And there's just a, a brief little sting in uh, Harry Manfredini's score where it cuts to his POV. He's distracted by something else, but you see what's obviously meant to be Jason darting across the road. And it's a very like almost Bigfoot kind of moment. But I've always considered it kind of to be like that. And there's like a brief like sting and you see him. He's already kind of halfway across the road and sort of disappearing into the woods. I've always found that to be really, really effectively creepy because it kind of it, it taps into sort of how you would see it, I guess, if you've ever kind of caught something in the middle of your eye and you're not really sure what it was like. That was definitely a freaking guy. A, a lumbering dude running off into the woods just now and there's like nothing around it's like just where he's driving is like this very desolate road with just trees lush lush trees on on either side so it's like there's there's no way that could be what he what he thought it was but it's very clearly for that brief moment you see creepy man running across the road and just something about the the execution of that scene i always found to be to be very creepy perfectly illustrates i think the entire tone of the second film which i find to be the scariest entry Overall, in the Friday the 13th series, that that whole film has really good moments, like when Ginny and Paul finally come back to the camp after their night of drinking, and all the lights are out, and everything's kind of creepy, and they were just spending this this night kind of talking about what what Jason may or may not be. They don't really believe that he actually exists, and now like shit, the lights are out, and they're looking around. They don't. There, there's still still sort of a sense of levity. They figure maybe the power put it out, and there's that moment where they're in like the living room, and Ginny's like. There's someone in this room. They aren't trying to make it creepy with music or anything. It's just, it's, it's the kind of reaction you would have, um, if you came home to your house being all dark and you heard something kind of rustling around. Like you don't know if it might be a killer. It might be a bug, like panicking, like not so much like big horror movie scream, but like actually panicking kind of the way a person would because it's like somebody's kind of in this space that you, you thought was kind of safe and secure and somewhere where you could check in, uh, to get away from the, uh, the, the wilderness and the elements and whatnot. Um, I, I think Friday the 13th part two as an entry in that whole series is the scariest one. And it's due to little scenes like that, that tap into real, uh, primal fears that people have the fear of, did I just really see what I saw in my peripheral is, is something in my house right now? Like that kind of stuff. And it, it taps into it. I think in much more of a real way than any of the other sequels managed to do it, especially with that jump scare. I guess it might be kind of a jump scare. It made me jump first time I I saw it. The burlap sack Jason just you can kind of catch a glimpse of him running across the road. And that always uh, always stayed with me and always uh, creeped me out a lot. That makes me think of Signs, the Shyamalan movie. Mm. Where Oh yeah. The, the 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 scene that got me, okay, when they're watching the video on the news from Portugal, the it's behind that that's a creepy scene when it walks out from the alley. The end reveal. When you come up and you think the aliens are gone, and the alien is reflected into the te- in, in the television, which is turned off, mm. because the alien is black and the TV is black, you only get it takes your brain a second to realize Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> that I jumped in the theater when I first saw that scene. That was a fantastic reveal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's jump awesome. scares like that that are effective, where it kind of takes you. You sort of think about it for a moment. It's like, did I really, did I really just see what I saw? Then you realize you did, and it's instantly freaky. What about when you see something like a monster or something that just sticks with you? I don't know if you guys watch Tales from the Dark Side a lot, but the fourth, it's either the fourth or sixth episode by Tom Savini, Inside the Closet. 
that monster in that. That little white thing with the uh-huh. claws and the eyes sunken in under the bed, slashing at her ankles and jumping out of the... Cl- oh, my God. Even as an adult, that thing creeps me the hell out. It's a, it's only an okay episode for the most of it. That creature deserves its own movie. Did either of you watch Dark Side enough to know what I'm talking about? I watched, oh, no, exactly. uh, I watched the clip that you showed me, and it's definitely, I could see that freaking me out if I was like, if I saw it for the first time at 10. And even watching it now, it's like you can really appreciate uh, Savini's effects work. Yeah, yeah, that thing is creepy. If if memory serves, like, they use that for, like, promotional materials, too. It was always like, you know, Tales of the Dark Side, and they were showing that that Yeah, because albino, it was so early in the series, yeah. That albino monster thing. It's like, oh, God, yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to throw one out to you. Um, I'm going to go with uh, another television show, show, the Friday the 13th, the series, the Scarecrow, Scarecrow? episode. Yep. Yes. I knew where How you were going as soon as you said that. Gary was that Scarecrow. Oh, my God. God. In that episode, they had to use another one of the cursed objects to actually defeat the damn thing, too. Yeah, because that thing was not going down easy. Yeah, that uh, that was scary as hell. That one uh, was, I mean, the whole, the, the show, like, there were a couple of scary episodes. I think there was, like, a doll episode that was kind of creepy, but nothing topped that Scarecrow. That Scarecrow is by far the scariest episode. And again, that's pretty early in the show. That's, like, episode eight or nine. That's real close to the beginning of that series, mm. too. I think if I had an example of, um, well, cause, cause I already did the TV thing for the pool monster from Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think I'll pull one out far back recesses of something that, that one of the earliest things to really scare me and still kind of makes me feel a little uncomfortable to this day. A meal melting at the end of Robocop. And I don't oh, know. I've, I've, yeah. I've come across other people that it, that's, that were just as scared of this scene. And I, I, I wasn't sure if I was alone or not. Help me. Yes. yes. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I hate it. I hate that scene so much. And because I remember watching Robocop when I was a kid and I was like, this is great. It's like shiny robot man. He's shooting bad guys and there's blood and it's, it's more, it's like all of the violence leading up to that scene is all just kind of action based stuff. You know, people just getting shot to shit. There was nothing really scary about it up till the point when Emil crashes his fucking truck into a toxic thing and you're like, okay, well he's dead, I guess. And then he, you see him stumble out of it and it's like, um, okay. And then he gets up. And his fingers are, are falling off and his face <laughs> looks like a weird mutilated werewolf and he's howling and he's just... He's like, melting and melting all that. Melting and he's melting. Like, and, and I'm just watching <laughs> this as a kid. What the f*** is going on? Like, it's it's turned into a completely different film where it's, it's switching from, you know, Robo shooting baddies and then it goes to Emil stumbling around. He, he catches onto a dude's shoulder. Ah, don't touch me, man. It's like, it's going from like weird horror movie to action movie and then he gets gets hit by a car and he explodes and I had not been able to finish RoboCop for I think a good three or four years after that point because that was the first time I'd watched it. I wasn't able to sit through it comfortably because I, I saw it in the theater, man. Coming. Could you imagine me at 13 years old in the theater watching that? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that theatrically, like a different f-ing film. Like seeing that at as you were 13 in a theater, I was seven years old just just watching it with my parents. I think they had they had always wanted to see it or they had seen it before and they wanted to watch it again because this was like five i think maybe i was watching it for the first time and just loving it like i said like this is kind of like a violent superhero movie it's like this robot guy he's cool he's badass your move creep and he's shooting people and it's great 
And then that happens. And I didn't know what to fucking do with myself because I really loved this film and I kept wanting to go back and revisit it, but I couldn't continue watching it. I would leave the room. It took me, I think, to the age of, of 11 or, or 12, maybe it was even 13, to finally sit down and force myself to watch that fucking scene. And it, it, though it made me feel uncomfortable, I thank myself for doing so because to this day, RoboCop is my favorite film ever made, even though it scarred my childhood sometimes it's not seeing something like i remember i mean the movie is rated r but there's a scene in the sword and the sorcerer the albert pune film uh, a tra- a traitor a set of traitors a man and a woman have had their tongues cut out and they're being paraded through the the dungeon and there's just this blood gushing out and they're going i don't know why but that scene just creeps me out so much and we don't even see them cutting their tongues out. It's just creepy. Along those lines, and I'll go back to Prince of Darkness, um, <laughs> when the end of the movie where you have the, the guy looking in the mirror and he's like leaning in to touch the mirror and it cuts like oh. right before is perfect because once again, we don't need to see what happens. What we don't see. You know what happens. The logo crashes through. Haven't you seen the trailer? <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Prince of Darkness. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we, we don't see what happens and that makes it so much more effective because yeah. now, like, we get so many movies where they would, they would, you know, touch the mirror and something would jump out and it would end. And it's yeah. like, boo! You know, but the fact that it ended on such an ambiguous note, like, we're not sure what happened. Well, on that note, where can people find Peter, hopefully not still being scared of movies? Um, I'm not as scared of the Emil melting scene in Robocop anymore, but you can find me on, uh, on Twitter at Cinematica. You can find me on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, uh, Facebook, The Cinemasochist, and on uh, 1201beyond.com, where my stuff is, where Cecil's stuff also now is, where we have shirts. I believe I'm going to have a, a new one maybe soon. I'm not sure. We've also got some promotional ones that are going to be coming out or already are out that you guys should check out. And Cecil, where can people find you besides 1201beyond.com, where your stuff is now hosted as yes, well? Yes. Uh, you could find me hiding under the couch, uh, afraid of Mr. Boogity. <laughs> boogity, boogity, boo. Okay, and that was, was a Disney movie. That was movie. a Disney movie, for Christ's sake. A Disney made-for-TV movie. Yeah. Um, at uh, goodbadflix.com, as well as goodbadflicks on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above. Have a happy Halloween. <laughs> And keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. You belching bastard. You stepped on my line. <laughs> I belched on your line. Yeah, who is the man in the white vest? I'm getting nervous, becoming a mess. Is he the doctor's man to take me away? All the same damn demon from yesterday. Waking up. Somebody get caught up in my dream Mom says I'm a rotten cop It's on my
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.